Dude, I hate him. What if we start without him? Like, what if we just... <laughs> what if we do the intro without him? Cut his name out of the uh, out of the intro with Joe Castiglione. Let's just let's just kill him, dude. I okay. <laughs> I know where he lives. <laughs> maybe I'll walk around. Maybe I'll stomp around the upstairs and see if it gets him to figure out his tech issues faster. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say much. I have a lot of tech issues. With my laptop. I'm so. here now. I'm here now. There we go. There we go. No. I, was, I was just saying I can't talk. I have a lot of tech issues with my laptop. Yeah. So. Uh, restart uh, my uh, laptop or something. I don't know. It's been acting fucking glitchy lately. Yeah. I mean, do whatever you have to do. We were talking about killing you. Yeah. Taking your place. Just killing you, actually. <laughs> It had nothing to do with the podcast. We were just talking about you know, killing you. Yeah. If if that's if that's all right for you. Come on, Webb. My clothes are going out of style. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yep. You sound great. Okay. Sorry, I tried to put it in my AirPods, but those apparently aren't working either. So everything's broken. I'm fucking dying. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that might be the sound bit this week. <laughs> yeah. All right. What episode number are we even on? This is 60. Uh, 60. Baby. Almost at 60. Okay. Um, all right. So there's really nothing else to talk about other than Bloom, right? Right. Well, also yeah. how much we hate this current team. Who even fucking cares? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, grow up. Hey, this is Joe Castiglione, and you're listening to Not Another Sox Podcast. Can you believe it? What's even more embarrassing for you right now? Uh, you're not. Buenos noches, amigos, and welcome to another episode of Not Another Socks Podcast. I am your host, Jack Webster, here with Ian Doran and Matt LeBeau, as always. Fellas, I'm Jack Webster. Uh, uh, hi, I'm Ian Doran, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm out here trying to produce the podcast. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna you were gonna interrupt me there and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you did great, Tiger. Oh thanks. Yeah. So wait. Pretty... Less work for me is better. So wait, do we wanna start there? Because it, if that was the start to the podcast, then then we're in it, guys. Yeah, we I, have think, to. I think we're already in the podcast here. Ah shit. Yeah. Hacker voice I'm in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, We'll pretend that's where we started tonight, then. Webb, I'll give you to the count of three to make a decision, and if not, we'll get right into it. You One. know what? Um, leave the original in, but I'm going to do it, too, and then we'll go from there. Two. 
Buenos noches, amigos, and welcome to episode 60 of Not Another Sox Podcast. I am Jack Webster here with Matt LeBeau and Ian Doran, as always. Fellas, Heim Bloom is gone. Yeah. Did you guys get that? Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean... Firstly, Matt LeBeau, happy to have you back. Thank happy you. to have you speaking with us this week. Thank a you. A lot has happened since we had another chance to, to chat with you on, on what the socks have looked like. And now we get you back for a crucial episode, the head rolling of Heimbloom. I'd love to hear what you think about the guy having just been released from the organization. Yeah, first off, great to be back. Um you know, hope to have less interruptions in the future. But nonetheless, um, I will say, you know, the more in touch you are with the organization, the um, the less it makes sense. The less in touch you are, the more it makes sense. Basically put, I mean, you come in last twice in a row as, you know, GM of the Red Sox. He's a fucking GM. Don't care what anyone says. Come in last <laughs> twice in a row. You're probably, there's a really good chance you get fired. Without, like, all the intricacies, without, like, looking at everything as a whole, really just from 36,000 feet, it's pretty black and white. That's how the organization is set up. Uh, based on the situation that he has put the organization in, I don't agree with the firing just yet. I would have at least given him the offseason to see what he could do. And if it was kind of more of the same and they weren't prepared for the season, done it around, like, January, February. You know, giving him like a little bit of time in the off season, see what happens. Um, they did it, and <laughs> they, it's over. It's over. Yeah, I think the news really caught a lot of people by surprise. Not only, you know, given the timing, usually they do these types of things, you know, right after you get eliminated or like started the playoffs so that way you know gets overshadowed a little bit i am more surprised that uh they did pull a boston bruins and announce it at like 12 30 on or sunday like right before the patriots game like that i'm really just a little bit more surprised that they were just up front right in the middle of a thursday afternoon with all of it <laughs> uh, and to get like the jeff notification uh, pass a notification on your phone and you're just in shock. Like you weren't expecting just a bomb out of nowhere since there isn't really a lot of, you know, roster moves or anything like that going around uh, the year. So like just getting that initial shock, like there was so many emotions going around with it that, uh, you know, you didn't really know which uh, uh, tales to make of it at uh, like while it was going on. And now we've had a little bit to reflect on it. We can kind of, you know, understand it a little bit more, even see, who might uh, play into that. So like, I, I feel like, you know, it's definitely changed my opinion. The more time I've had to uh, digest all of it. Webb, do you agree with Bloom's dismissal and caveat? Just so you know, the more time you take to answer this question, the more time I have to finish my McDonald's quarter pounder with cheese. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll try to stall as long as possible. Or you could just, you know, scarf it down. But anyway, oh, should uh, I one I bite this double quarter pounder? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I should one bite well, this huge cheeseburger. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to go on mute, but I'll let you know that I did it. Okay. Okay, cool. 
Well, anyways, uh, I agree with Matt Le- what Matt LeBeau said in giving him at least one more year. I mean, I've never seen a president of baseball operations, GM, fucking whatever title that you want to call it nowadays, be fired before the season even starts. Uh, but it really shows clearly that the front or not front office, but more ownership expected to win this year after having a subpar year, you know, farm system's good. This team could have been, you know, better. I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't the trade deadline. I think definitely swayed ownership's decision in this a lot of ways by not really having a true direction. I think even if we sold and, you know, guns, uh, major league talent back in the immediate, then that might've changed things. Who knows? But yeah, you can't finish last place back to back years. This year is a little different than last. You know, the entire AL East is uh, above 500 or we're the only team under 500, but still hovering around that. Um, But still, at the end of the day, you know, something needed to change. You can't keep repeating the same type of thing over and over again. It's the definition of sanity that um, these guys need to actually like have some type of shakeup because, you know, without major improvements for next year, this team is also doomed for fourth place at the best. Yeah. And, and I think that when it happened, it, it, it's almost like, it's almost, it's, it's, I just don't want to see the, the organization go in a different direction. I think that the direction that they're headed in under Heimblum was positive. I will say the, like the, the general direction that they were headed in was positive. I did find that Bloom did lack uh, a lot of like a, a game planning, you know, like I felt like that he was kind of one foot in one foot out with a lot of different things. Um, but it is kind of scary though, because I don't, I don't like, are they upset with how the future of this, this organization looks? Because if they are, then, you know, I mean, maybe they, we, they don't have what we kind of think they have, you know? So like, I think that was my initial reaction. Like, I felt like things were going so well with the farm system and the, the players that, you know, you're developing. Maybe they don't, maybe ownership doesn't feel the same way about the farm system. You also see a guy like Trevor Story uh, still struggling in the second year of the contract. That was really the big deal that he gave out. Unfortunately, Yoshida's kind of regressed a little bit uh, in terms of his season numbers. You know, you can attribute that to a lot of different things. But um, honestly, I really don't feel like this was the worst group of guys that Bloom could have put together under the luxury tax this year. Obviously, there's fuck ups. Obviously, there's some great deals, you know, like any general manager. Uh, but I think this year's kind of more lackluster came to a really just bad performance defensively, base running, untimely hitting in a lot of cases. You had some really good hot stretches in there where this team was in, you know, wild card spot, at least in contention throughout most of the year, really up until September. Um, so, like, I don't feel like this team was too bad. I think, you know, we could have definitely been a whole lot better next year. And I still hold on to the fact that we're going to be world series champions in 2025, but you know, it's hard to justify, you know, looking at the total package of this season and being anywhere near satisfied. You got some breakout performances from some young guys, uh, but all around, you know, being under 500 around 500 really isn't just going to cut at the end of the day. No, it's definitely not. Um, and I will say, Jack, obviously you had a, a very 
um, good tweet that almost, it, it, you know, definitely popped off 473 likes here. <laughs> and I, I know you, you probably won't read it because you're a very humble Twitter user, but I think that it, it, it is articulated very well. So you said Theo benefited from Duquette, Sherrington benefited from Theo, Dombrowski benefited from Sherrington, Bloom didn't benefit from Dombrowski. Whoever takes over will benefit from Bloom. So that's, so, so that's obvious, right? Well, I mean, we know that obviously, but the, my main concern with, with that is moving forward, like who is going to want to take this job? If say, say the Red Sox are going in cycles where they use, you know, a GM to rebuild the organization and then hire a GM to then, you know, win like a Dombrowski right now, you need to load up. You have that, 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 you know, that, that foundation is there. Now you need to load up and get major league talent and build a, a, a world series contending team. Then you fire that guy, right? Then you, now you got to reload and you're going to rebuild the foundation. So, Eventually, you know, I feel like people are just going to be like, well, I don't really want this job because it's basically I'm just being used as a pawn in a system. That's a cycle. Do you think either of you, do you think that Bloom built a good team? Um, He built a good team. He didn't build a team that had any snowballs chance in hell at winning a World Series. This team was a third wild card spot. Maybe makes it to the ALDS. Maybe even makes it to the ALCS if they get a little lucky, kind of like they did in 2018. But or sorry, 2021, I should say. Uh, but nobody expected this team to do really much this year. That's understandable. I think you know if you told the average Red Sox fan that we would finish 81 and 81 or, you know, anywhere in between three or four games that either direction, that's probably what we would have expected. 84 wins at the high end and, like, 75 wins at the low end or something like that. So, unfortunately, it's what we expected. You can still be mad about that even if you were expecting it. But, yeah, th- this team could have been better at the end of the day. LeBeau, what do you think? Do you think Bloom built a good team? I think he built a average team that had mm. the possibility or the potential to go either, you know, up or down. Um, uh, uh, this team had a higher ceiling than I think a lot of people realized. And I think that if you get, you know, really massive contributions from Chris Sale, from Trevor Story, then, you know, you're, you're maybe in a... a a wild card spot right now, maybe, you know, uh, if you get that mm. for a full season. Um, I, I don't think he built a terrible team by any means. Mm. You know, I think that 2022, he built a, a, a bad team. 2022, <laughs> built a decent team and just didn't really come together. I, I do. I do genuinely feel for the guy, though. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Bloom was Bloom was really great at buying low on high ceilings. And especially this year with the team that was assembled with the money that was available. Frankly, I, I think under the restrictions for building this team, he, he built a pretty good team with the money he had to play with. And I think there were a lot of uh, player failures and coaching failures on the front lines 
uh, that that cost them this season. A lot of careless mistakes, a lot of bad base running, a lot of poor defense, a lot of a lot of missed calls from coaching staff, you know, pitching staff and third base coaches. And and I, I don't think Bloom is to blame for a lot of the mistakes that have cost the Red Sox their season. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if the Red Sox just played league average defense and league average base running. <laughs> we would probably have I'm not even exaggerating probably about seven to 10 more wins and seven to 10 more wins uh, puts you in a wild card spot. Since I think we are like seven and a half, eight and a half out, maybe like, you know, it would put us in contention at least to play differently than we are going to the last two weeks of the season here now. Um, And that, you know, partly comes down to bloom. He put together a really bad defensive team when you knew Trevor story was going to be out for the year. You didn't even really, get a guy that you know could play shortstop <laughs> as uh, you know, <laughs> one of your main things. We entered the season without a shortstop. That's on Heim Bloom. We right. entered the season as Corey Kluber as our opening day starter. That's on Heim Bloom. There are things that definitely could have been addressed that weren't. Do I, Am I going to blame him for, you know, Reese McGuire not reading a ball off the wall? Of course not. Am I going to blame him for, Rafael Devers not uh, progressing any, even regressing defensively. Like, that that's unreasonable. So it does come down to the players, really, during the day. The coaching staff as well. Uh, but there there were definitely things that could have been better from a front office uh, perspective as well. Are yeah. you saying we didn't have Adalberto Mondesi coming into the season? Because I specifically remember a shortstop coming onto the Red Sox roster last year. I don't, he still doesn't exist. <laughs> I said this when we got him, and I'm still uh, unsure. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's just pieces now. I think he's just parts. Honest question: Do you think that the uh, Red Sox ownership? Do you think that they had a either a change in philosophy, and that's why they fired Heim Bloom, or do you genuinely think that he, in their eyes, he wasn't doing a good enough job? I think. It's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Since you mentioned earlier, they've been going through this cycle of rebuilding the farm system, firing the guy that did, bringing in the hot shot. And you're right. Not If we continue to do that through whoever the next uh, president of baseball operations or GM or whatever the fuck you want to call that title at the end of the day is, then I think you're really going to start like, getting people that don't want the job. Of course, there's always going to be somebody that wants the reins at, uh, you know, <laughs> leading the Boston Red Sox. Um, but what? You, you will start like actually losing candidates. Yes. If, the, the, if you know, this job is only for four to five years at the maximum and less of your Theo Epstein. And then you want to leave even because you've done everything that you fucking can. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it. it's such a mystery of who they might get. We'll probably get into some of the, uh, you know, candidates that have been floating around at the end of the day, uh, you know, a little bit later on after we're talking about, you know, the fallout from everything. But um, I already forget what question you fucking asked me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I asked if they had, yeah, they had a change in philosophy or if they thought he wasn't doing a, a good enough job. But I, yeah. I, I mean, you did you did answer the question. Yeah, I, yeah, I answered it. Yeah, I don't think they had a change in philosophy. I think this is just the same shit that they've always done. <laughs> I think 
one of two things, and it could be an either or or both situation. But I think one of two things happened. Uh, the first of which being a head, a head had to roll, right? There had to be a martyr. Someone had to fall on the sword for this season because we were in playoff contention and then we weren't. We were playing good baseball and then we weren't. Someone had to pay for for the overall organization's mistakes. Of course, Bloom putting the team together had a hand in that. So did the coaching staff. So did the players. So did the fans. So did the analysts, statistics. Every single thing that, that came up to this, it, it's a team effort to look at what is becoming a shit team at the end of the year. And someone had to pay for that. Unfortunately, people weren't big fans of Heim Bloom. I mean, going into the season, going into the trade deadline, after the trade deadline, it was it was an easy decision to make to release Bloom from his position. I do I think he deserved that? N- no, I think he was gearing up for one more year. And I think given one more year, we all could have been easily decisive on whether or not he's worthy to sit in that chair. To release him now, I I think is a, is a little rash. I understand why they did it, but I think he's paying for other people's mistakes. So that's my first theory, right? My, my second theory being uh, the ownership. Money called Bloom into their office, and money said to Bloom, uh, Bloom, we want you to make a competitive bid on Shohei Otani for next year. And Bloom said, no, I am not spending $500 million on Shohei Otani to come to Boston for the next 10 years. I think those are the two possibilities. Are they paying for someone's mistakes or he told ownership he's not spending that kind of money on Shohei Otani? I mean, That's how I feel. It, I would be surprised if it was uh, the latter there uh, because I think, you know, if your bosses tell you you can get the best player in baseball and the fucking checkbook doesn't uh, matter, you are salivating at the mouth for that. If your owner tells you to get <laughs> Otani, that's perfectly fine. If your owner tells you not to get Otani and you're like, yeah, no, I want to go get him, that's when you're fired, I feel like. That's when you go against, uh, you know, the mouth that uh, feeds you at the end of the day. So... It, you know, if he did go in there and they said sign Otani and he said no, then yeah, of course you should be fired. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> you deserve to be fired. You did. You do deserve to be fired if that's what actually happened. If you, <laughs> your bosses are like throw all the money that throw all of our money at this baseball player and you're like no, yeah, get the fuck out of here. If you say anything against their words. <laughs> At the end of the day, they're gonna fucking fire you. That's how business works. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I I don't understand like ownership's perspective. So I, I mean, you hired this guy to do the job, and he's doing the job that you you asked him to do, which was kind of rebuild the organization. I just don't really understand like why now. You know, like do you haven't trusted the process, and then that leads me to my next question for you guys which is do you now feel way worse because i do do you now feel <laughs> way worse about because now you ditched the the process about trading mookie bets about not re-signing xander bogarts you know almost like 
shit, if we were just going to replace this guy anyways and not let it come into full effect, so hold on to those guys. Lobo, I'll, I'll hit you with a yes and on that one because, yes, it, a lot of those major trades are, are now going to turn out to be part of another person's plan and maybe in ways that they were not meant to be understood uh, or when they were originally made. And on the flip side of that coin, we we did get plenty back for, for the Mookie Betts trade. Xander Bogarts has had a, a rough year out in San Diego. I'm sure he would have done better in Boston. But with all he's those... Lately. Uh, he, he's kind of gone back to his regular numbers at this point. Not quite the same, but uh, at the end of the season, you know, uh, he has actually produced. Yeah, well, yeah, good to know. Love bogey, and it's statistically the first season after a player moves tends to be one of the worst statistically. But I think with every major trade and every major player that we lost, or or where a player walked, or, or where we didn't sign a major talent, Bloom very sneakily snuck guys into the farm system like Rafaela and Abreu, who have turned into into dynamite. In, in Worcester and have been playing well on the major league roster here at the end of the season. So we're, I wish we could see the full plan. But for like I said, for every major piece of news that went against the Red Sox, we sneakily put three, four, five guys in Worcester that are competitive ballplayers on AAA teams, much less in, in the major league. Yeah, so I don't think another year of Bloom would have hurt our future at all. It would have improved probably the 2028 team, <laughs> uh, you know, as crazy enough it to think about uh, that year off now, GMs, pre- PBOs, whatever you want to call them, do actually think about, you know, a five plus year plan, which, you know, is their responsibility and everything. Do, and well, you know, somebody else that clears out that farm system probably hurt the 28, team. Yeah, probably. And is that okay? Yeah, no, that's fine. You know, you can adjust course because you're going to have to, you know, between now and then anyways. Really, you know, through a lot of drafting, though, through a lot of trades, um, Heimbloom really did change from an abysmal farm system uh, that he inherited to, you know, a pretty good one. And even Dombrowski left with some, some guys, you know, he left with, with Hauk and Casas. And I think Raffaello was even a Dombrowski guy, too. And, you know, at the end of the day, Dombrowski traded almost nobody good. Like, if we didn't trade any of those guys, uh, then we'd still be stuck with, like, Gavin Giacchini and Anthony Renato and, you know, all those other guys that didn't end up making a difference, Manny Margot. Instead, we actually got (laughs) major league talent uh, for a lot of these. Even, like, Anderson Espinosa didn't do a goddamn thing in the majors. So, like, even getting a fucking scrub like Drew Pomeranz, like, was an improvement. He got the most <laughs> by trading for Drew Pomeran. So you never know. Not all these guys are going to pan out. I think Kyle Bloom is easily the best drafter um, out mm. of the GMs that we've had. Um, and that, uh, you know, reflects on the people that he hires more than himself. Uh, so, you know, uh, he's not the actual guy scouting the, these people or anything, but he still puts those people in place. And that's what, uh, you know, does matter at the end of the day. Whoever takes the reins has a very good chance to, you know, do a lot, uh, maybe even be a little bit more decisive in terms of trading some of the prospects than 
Bloom might have been. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's really just a time where you don't know what's actually going to happen with this team. We're in a limbo. Right, which I think is is definitely scary for, you know, the short term and the long term, um, you know, future of this, this organization. I, I don't really know what they're going to try to do. I don't know if they're going to try to maybe reinvent what they had with Bloom with someone a little more uh, short-sighted or they're going to try to now bring in you know, like a Dombrowski type. Um, I, I, I would probably rather have someone who's pretty well-rounded, you know, maybe a little combination of both. Bloom, Dombrowski, the dream team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you um, – I don't know where you can rank Heim Bloom's tenure with the Red Sox in terms of – You won't know for a few years. You won't know for a few years. But, like, with Sherrington, I mean, it didn't – his tenure didn't really age that well, but he also did win a World Series. Yeah, through the power of friendship. Like, I don't <laughs> think Sherrington won that World Series. David Ortiz won that World Series. <laughs> I know, but he still has his name on one, you know? He does, he does. I miss so. him. I miss David Ortiz more than more than I miss anyone I else. I thought you said you you missed Ben Charrington and that's yeah. Well, no, yeah. that would have been. No, you know what? Maybe David Ortiz should be the next GM of the Boston Red Sox. There, I said it. You know what? I haven't heard his name out there, but um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. You, you see him talking up Otani, talking up Juan Soto. Like I, I, I feel like you know we would get every Dominican player out there. We would be the WBC. Dominican team, and that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that any day of the week. So, in terms of replacements, who do you guys think? David Ortiz. <laughs> yeah, replacements. Um, obviously, the initial speculation, which I'm kind of glad they shut down immediately, was Theo Epstein because he saw him uh, in Boston a few days before, which is not coincidental. Um, but, uh, that was everybody's immediate thought. It was like, oh, Theo's going to come back. Well, how, how would you have felt about Theo coming back? Uh, boner. Would have felt great. Yeah. Would have felt absolutely great. Wow. Full erections for Theo Epstein? Like, I, <laughs> gross. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe you should be the next GM. I, I don't think all the money in the world could have convinced Theo to come back. Theo has made his money. He's doing his job in the commissioner's office. And I think he's actually going for the commissioner of baseball after um, Rob Manfred eventually retires. Um, but I really don't think like you could have offered Theo Epstein a billion dollars and he would have accepted the role. You could have made Theo Epstein the highest paid person in sports, like more than LeBron James, more than Otani, more than fucking uh, Ronaldo taking his Saudi uh, oil money or anything like he he would have been like a billion dollar guy and he probably still would have said no. Do you think there's any possibility that the next GM of Boston Red Sox baseball is a woman? No. Uh, no. There's one name that I could consider. Um, sure. And it happens. Uh, mm-hmm. The only Tim Ang from the Marlins. I don't think it's the type of guy or the type of person, I should say, that uh, the front office would go after. I think they want to go with somebody that's going to 
you know, kind of be gun crazy, sign free agents, make trades. And I'm not sure Kim is that she's a very good, uh, you know, GM. I think, you know, she'll uh, probably lead another team, probably, you know, a smaller market. She's kind of more fit for that. I don't know any other female candidates that would be other than her. I love that you said that, Webb. Um, and in LeBeau, I wanted to follow up because you hit the no button on that pretty quickly. And I uh, I am curious why, because I, I know that you love and, and support women in, in your life and, and across a grand stage. But you were quick to say no about a woman stepping into the GM position. I, I would love to hear your reasoning as to why you don't think that would fly in Boston. I'd be, I'm, for one, I'd be totally okay with it, obviously. But of course, okay, <laughs> I know there, you would. <laughs> there, there. Is, I would also go with a black GM too, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all, Webb? This is yeah, LeBeau's yeah, no, question. There, there's a, there is absolutely no chance the Boston media, with the Boston fans, um, it is just, it is just setting, it is setting her up for failure. It's just not fair. Uh, it, it was it would be it would, it's the first thing that people would say about any type of move that doesn't go their way. It would be doing their they, she would be doing her job in a cloud. It's such a fishbowl. I just don't ever see the Red Sox ever doing that personally. I'm not doing it, but I can just imagine the reaction of the uh, bastards of Boston sports after, uh, you know, anything just. Uh, that she would have done wrong and being like, oh, she's on her period or some really sexist shit like that. So it's unfortunate that her fans <laughs> uh, legitimately half of that. But um, Webb, you turd with your microphone. Um, but I, I hear what both of you are saying. And, and Laboa, I really like and hear what you're saying, that any decision that could be uh, conceived as poor in the public eye or, or any decision that isn't agreed with in Boston does not become about this person is not qualified. It does not become about this person made a bad decision. This person has a bias. All of a sudden, Boston questions the GM's decisions because the GM would be a woman, right? And and I think a woman is very well suited for the GM position, but I, I think Boston is, isn't ready for that because the decisions are to become to blame on her sex and not her ability. Um, so... So just a very interesting conversation. Of course, anyone listening, please feel free to, to offer information or opinions on, on who you think the next GM would be, whether you think a, a woman, a female GM would fly in Boston. But it, it kind of seamlessly brings us into our, into our next topic of conversation, right? Because there are going to be a lot of be move, a lot of moves to be made in the upcoming offseason. We've been talking about them all year, that we need more pitching, um, that we need some consistency uh, through the dugout. So the next person is going to be making some big decisions. Who do you think would, who do you think we should prioritize in making these decisions? Should we prioritize it at the plate, on the mound, in the outfield? Where are we prioritizing our signings in the coming offseason? I think it's just absolutely you just have to prioritize starting pitching, and it's just mm. over well, well overdue to actually bring in an ace and you know or a top of the rotation starter if you consider Bayo your ace is totally fine, but 
I don't think it's time to the, the organization is, is set up well for the future. Right. So it, it's mm. time. To stop being cute. You know, if, <laughs> if you're going to fire this guy and, and you're going to you're going to actually, you know, go in a different direction, then go in a different direction. Don't, you know, do more of the same. So bring in Yamamoto, you know, or make a trade for up top of the rotation starting pitcher. The, the one thing that if you're gonna if you're gonna commit to firing Heim Bloom and and doing something different, then you have to do something different. Can't you can't hire someone and then try to be cute again, a la you know, James Paxton. <laughs> right, it's all or nothing or at Corey this Kluber. point. Absolutely. Oh, Corey Kluber, Blatt. That's why they fired Bloom, honestly. Because so fucking imaginary woman GM that the Red Sox are gonna hire that Ian's gonna hire for the Red Sox is fucking better than Corey Kluber. Dude, I I will I will call her up right now and let her know that the seat is hers. She just can't re-sign Corey Kluber. Easy to pitch better than than the prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Corey Kluber is buns. Is buns. Back to back to Florida or maybe retire. I don't care what the guy does, but yeah, go to the fucking uh, Lotte Giants and the fucking KBO for all I care. <laughs> yeah, the Gulag maybe Guantanamo. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Abu Ghraib. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, the story of the offseason is going to be pitching, pitching, and more pitching. I would really be satisfied if we acquired uh, three starters. Uh, and some people might say, you know, Good we, one. we can always put them in the pen. We can put them in fucking Worcester. We can trade them, whatever. I Who is get- this? You bleeped out a little bit. Who do you want to keep? Um, I, I mean, TBD who we keep, obviously, I don't think we can move Chris Sale. Obviously we're going to keep Brian Bayo in there. So those are two spots right there. Um, and you can't even count on Chris Sale really at this point. So if you get three starting pitchers, Yamamoto, Gray, Snell, um, Montgomery, any of those guys, maybe make a trade for somebody, uh, that you wouldn't even think about like a Dylan Cease, I even mentioned form <laughs> for me, but like, Get me like an Edward Cabrera or like, you know, maybe trade Anthony or Meyer for a Sandy Alcantara or someone like that. That's even off the table, unless if it's someone for a prime uh, pitcher like that. If you can get two aces this offseason, one via free agency, one via trade, and then get another guy, have uh, Cutter Crawford be your swing man, have how can, you know, maybe be in there or be a trade piece. And, um, you know, Nick Pavetta kind of in that swingman role like he has been this year as well, then you can never have too much depth. I don't want to see fucking Brandon Walter. I don't want to see even, you know, um, someone like Joe Jocks like on the team. I want some fucking depth at starting pitcher, which we have not had uh, since I can even fucking remember at this point. Yeah. No, well said. Yeah. Give me uh, <laughs> just give me good good starting pitchers and the rest of the team honestly is is i think they're they're well set up they're not bad you know the team's not bad like where are you gonna improve other than second base maybe where there's not a lot of options out there anyway and we have plenty of guys who can play second and when urius is in urius has been performing i'm crazy about the guy Reyes has has been performing now that we have story back. His defense is better than his offense. But between those three guys, I think you have your middle infield locked up. 
Give me Seti Raffi at second base. Seti Raffi at second base over over Reyes, over Urias? Oh, 100%. Yeah, get them the fuck out of town. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, Spooky. honestly, I'm not as high on Urias as you. He's had his, his moments with the grand slams. Um, the defense has been fine. The bat has still kind of been under 300 average. Really, only two home runs from those grand slams that really popped out. But um, if you can get an improvement there, then sure. There's just not a lot of options, unfortunately. You're kind of stuck with Trevor Story at this point. Um, I'm, and by the way, I'm not a Trevor Story hater. I think he's gotten the short end of the stick uh, the last two seasons now. So I'm hoping that, you know, that bat comes around a bit more even. That glove has looked great. Uh, the outfield uh, is all set. Uh, you can even trade some of the depth that you have out there for some of that pitching. Third base is covered. First base is covered. Catcher is covered. So you really don't need a lot of offensive bats. You can even still go in theoretically with that same offensive team and be fine as long as the defense it somehow improves upon that. You know, even a little bit more out of that probably would be so. But like I, I'm. It really comes down to the pitching for me. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't dislike Reyes or Urias, um, but when when you can, we know who who those guys are, right? We know exactly what they are, and we know they're never going to be top flight talent or world class players. Uh, so, you know, Rafaela could be, could be an all star, could be a very good player, um, has a lot of room to grow. So I'd rather just give him the keys and just let him do his thing. It makes me laugh, Webb. It makes me laugh that you go, we need to prioritize starting pitching. Maybe guys you wouldn't even think of, like, uh, and then you name like three or four pitchers we've been talking about all year. (laughs) It's hard to say, like, that a name that you couldn't think of. Um, But, like, Alcantara, that's a name that's kind of off the table. But, you know, maybe somebody from an actual contending team trades, like, a frontline starter. Maybe, like, someone from, like, the Astros or, like, even the Rays if they weren't in division. Like, you could see something working out there. So uh, that that would be a very high move to do something like that. And it's just hard to say if we would do something like that because we don't even know who's going to be fucking driving the car. You think there's yeah. any possibility that Otani moves to Boston? When he got injured uh, and we knew he was going to be out for the 2024 season as a pitcher, I said 0% chance. Who knows who we might get? And I think, you know, the ownership's like spend $500 million on this guy just for, you know, not even uh, on-field reasons, like marketing reasons. And that's the job that, uh, you know, you want to do. Um, it would definitely help the team. Uh, it's such an enigma that it changes everything now with our chances of uh, signing Otani when you don't know who it's going to be. If it's Kim Ng, there's no chance. You know, if it's um, someone coming over from the Dodgers, then maybe. What if I'm coming over from the Dodgers? Then, yeah, absolutely not. What if I'm the next starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox? Uh, It would still be an improvement. Better than Corey Kluber. Yeah. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Okay, I'm going to start training right now then. Going to get myself ready for the coming season. I, frankly, guys, even on the bullpenning days in this year, 
were we doing okay when we yeah. had Bernie opening and Pavetta running the bulk game and then yeah and then, I, I never want to see that shit again i i want five guys that can actually fucking start for I, I i agree i agree i i yeah. totally i totally agree and yeah. it's just as funny to think that on the days we were bullpenning we were winning we won more than half of those games when we were pulling guys out of the bullpen more so than the games we were losing with guys like kluber on the mound yeah so we won those games, but and then we would have no bullpen for the next three days, and you would have to have fucking Caleb Hort try to close down games and just have that go horribly. So he's still dead, by the way. A, a, a like run a playoff race or even in the playoffs, you're low on pitching. You, this is a must-win game. That's when bullpenning works its best when it's fucking. Uh, you know, June 17th and you still have half a season to baseball, uh, then I feel like you can't do that on a consistent basis. Like we're kind of forced to because we had no starting pitching depth. So can you can do you have a better chance of winning a singular ball game through bullpenning? Like probably a bit, not a ton better. Do you fucking hurt the team after that? Yeah, you do. I'd be more I'd be more open to that something like that in the playoffs than the regular season, you know. What playoffs? Yeah. You got to make the playoffs first. You're right. We will. I think it's coming. But we're we're nearing the end of our episode, Mark. We covered a, a ton of content today in in discussing what the future looks like. Uh, as we finish out the end of what is becoming a disgusting season. Uh, do you guys have any final words for today? regarding Bloom's firing, regarding potential moves, and, and frankly, what you want to see the Sox do with the last 20 days of baseball they're going to have. Uh, yeah, I'll start off here. So I will view view uh, Hein Bloom's tenure as generally positive. Um, I know when you finish in last place, uh, probably three out of the four years that he was here, you can definitely see that as, you know, a negative. Um, that 2021 team was even a little bit of a surprise. Um, he set us up well for the future. I understand all the moves that, uh, the front office has made. The ownership has made over the last, you know, few weeks here, all things considered. And I just hope ownership has an actual idea of what they're looking for. And this wasn't just a reactionary type of thing given a shitty situation to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I, I partially agree. I think that Bloom did a good job in 2020 and 2021. I think that where, you know, ultimately this, this decision came down was that from 2021, we were supposed to kind of be on the other side of that. Slight dip in 2022, that's okay. But then 2023, it was supposed to be, you know, right back there where we were in 2021. Um, ultimately, I don't think he should have been fired just yet, but I do think that when you're the GM of the Boston Red Sox and you finish in last, really, I mean, 2020 doesn't count, but if it did, that's three out of four years in which you finish in last, if they end up finishing last this year. A very black and white level, that's going to get you fired if you're the GM of the Boston Red Sox pretty straightforward um do i agree with it 100 percent? no but it is what it is that's life that's baseball that's baseball 
Yeah. You had another part of that question I completely ignored. <laughs> uh, no, you're you're totally good. Frankly, I don't know if I remember the other part of that question. I just know that I I miss you when you're not there. Oh, with the last with the last 20 days of baseball the Sox are going to have this year. Is there anything that you would possibly want to see out of them with what little season they have left? Um, oh man, I'm so fucking checked out at this point. Like I have, <laughs> I follow the games and like, you know, keep up with the standings cause I'm just an all around general baseball fan. And like, this is just kind of my life. Like I've watched way worse teams than this. Uh, what I, I've been so back and forth of what I want from this team this last two weeks. One morning I'll wake up and be like, lose every single game and like get a better draft pick. The next morning I'll wake up and be like, yeah, let's, you know, at least finish 500 above the Yankees. Uh, Let's, you know, cause some havoc with the uh, wild card race since we're facing some good teams down the end. These, this last kind of like two months of baseball are just going to be completely forgettable. The, the tape recorder is not going at all. So I really just don't even fucking care what happens these last two weeks of the season. Like, <laughs> my, I, it, it's just nothing for me. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, like uh, it, it sucks because, like, I, I still will continue watching this dumpster fire. But uh, the, the, the only good things to watch are Rafaela and William Abreu, who's looked really good. Uh, and this is a game where neither of those guys are even playing, so I have no idea why I'm even watching. I should really do something productive with my life other than this, but, um, uh, yeah, this is just how I'm programmed. Like, I'm not 162 guy, I'm like 150 guy. There are games that I'll miss for whatever reason, but, like, yeah, even when the team's dog shit, I'll still fucking watch. I hate it. Yeah, Yeah, it just makes me sad sometimes, so I usually watch, like, half the game, then kind of out. If it's... (laughs) If it becomes a blowout, then I'll be like, yeah, I'm watching a spooky movie. It's Halloween season. Or, like, you know, I might just jerk it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Love it. And I'll Don't have to say you were jerking it when you were watching the Red Sox. Yeah, I know. And that'll fill up, you know, three minutes. And then I'll go back to just being depressed and smoking weed and um, jerking it again. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, what, you, you want to step out for a smoke after the episode? Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck it. YOLO. YOLO. <laughs> All right. Well, gents, great episode today. Uh, LeBeau, pleasure to have you back. Thank you, yeah. thank you for joining us tonight yep. and providing thank your crap. insight as always. You'll think uh, it'll be around next week, too. Not that it even matters. I don't even know what the fuck we're going to talk about next. Well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, we'll, no, I'll be good. Playoffs, we'll, though. Like, we'll even. be lucky. We'll be lucky if we get another episode in by the end of the season because they're just yeah. – unfortunately isn't uh, enough left to talk about yeah. uh, but hopefully we'll get something else in by the end of the season if not we do have a, a lot of great off-season specials planned and we're hoping to get some good guests and, and talk a bit more about the moves that are being made so um lebeau welcome back thank you for joining web pleasure sure. as always and we'll see you guys in the coming weeks all right yeah. boys good night yeah. oh hold on one second uh, you don't even have to record this part or anything Oh, okay. You have two seconds. Yeah. No, no. Okay. 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 Fuck you. Uh, I was thinking <laughs> for uh, the playoffs and edit this out too, um, that we just pretend it's the 2013 playoffs. Like we just completely ignore what's going on <laughs> that way. Um, uh, we can kind of just like relive <laughs> times. 
That sounds great. I love that. The yeah. 2013 special. Yeah. Well, well, I love that. Because we'll do like an ALDS and ALCS in like a World Series episode. Like we'll just like catch up on everything that happened and just like pretend like it's real time. That's that. That sounds great. I love that. Okay. I'll see you then, buddy. All right. See you, boys. All right. Night, gents. Bye. Bye.